Welcome to New Human Living Radio Show, bringing you powerful interviews to awaken the power in you. Learn more at newhumanliving.com. And now your host, Les Jensen. So uh, a really simple question. Um, does, does love hurt? And I know every single listener has probably had a very unique response to that. And maybe some of you have been spooked a little bit to talk about love and pain. But I think we're in for a very powerful episode tonight. Does love hurt? Does love hurt? I know a lot of people have kind of resigned themselves to love. They 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 feel like they're getting tired of being hurt that love is too much love is elusive love is it's it's just too damn risky and uh maybe they've maybe they've shut down and man i mean Love will kick your ass. Um, love will... Um, <laughs> I've been serenading love now for about 25 years, and I am so I am so in awe of it because love cannot be exhausted. It's an ever-expansive expression i don't uh, i think words kind of stink about defining love i think it's so vast and so wonderful and so compassionate and so powerful that's part of why i know this episode tonight is going to be powerful because love is powerful and we are all we are all able if we so choose to learn to uh, perhaps the word is master love, embody love, allow love, embrace love, encourage love. But sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's really, really tough. I think we should get to it because our guest tonight has so much to offer. The topic tonight is a mother's journey through the death of her daughter. And our guest tonight is Soraya Ellsmore. We're going to bring her on in just a minute. Um, what a powerful story we have tonight. It's, it's based on her book, Son, S-U-N-N, A Mother's Intimate Journey Through the Death of Her 19-Year-Old Daughter. Soraya courageously shares her raw emotions in this heartfelt compilation of journal and blog entries during the first year of her grieving. With every challenge in her process, she finds new ways to not only make it through the day, but to continue to thrive and follow her path. Even when things feel impossible, 
To her surprise, she begins a beautiful and healing dialogue with her newly departed daughter, Juliana Sun. Her book will help those experiencing loss to look beyond the unbearable pain for signs that their loved ones are still around and showcases the awe that occurs in the healing process. I think we should get to it. Join me in welcoming Soraya to the show. Welcome to the show, Soraya. Hello. Hi, Les. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being on and and sharing your your story, your journey with us. So, well, go ahead. It has been quite a story, and I will tell you your question at the beginning: uh, Does love hurt? Yes, absolutely. But also, it is just one of those those wonderful emotions that we just it's almost pointless to be alive without it because it is nice. who we actually are. So we have to find a way to understand what it is and to get beyond the pain and, and just understand that the pain is actually part of that love. It shows you that you love deeply. It shows that you love deeply. I like that. I like that. Uh, the, the the pain is a reflection of the connection. The pain is the the um, it's a reflection of of that that connection of love between two individuals. It's uh, I, I know we were talking the other day, and uh, I've had some tough experiences with death, and and I think. Uh, that's why I knew this would be such a powerful episode. Sometimes I, w- I was observing a, a death in the family of, uh, of um, someone I knew, and my friend was designated the, I can't remember what it's called, the organizer of the funeral. The I, I can't remember what it's called, but all the responsibility landed on him when his mother passed. And he didn't have time to grieve because he had to organize the funeral and the um, cremation. And and I, and I saw him, like, go numb during that process. What he really wanted to do is sit down and cry. And he never had an opportunity for that. And I know, I know people, there are people that sucked it up when they, when they lost a loved one and they never, they've never been back to process, perhaps process the, the pain within that. So I, I truly want to thank you for sharing your story with our listeners tonight. Do you want to, do you want to kind of give us uh, a, a view of what happened so we have some context to put this in? Yes, absolutely. So I'll start off by introducing you to my daughter, Juliana. Um, she was a lovely, curious, um, vivacious. She was uh, musically inclined. She had lots of friends. She was 
just a ball of sunshine. And her middle name is Sun, and it actually, we we named her perfectly. She was bouncing all over the walls when she was a little kid. Um, She would fight. She was ferocious. That girl could fight. She loved fighting, and she was one of four children. And I used to actually call her the goldfish in the piranha bowl because our family just had this different way of functioning, and she was just a little different, but she would torture and torment her brothers and sisters enough for them to attack her. (laughs) And then there would just be this huge fight. But it was almost always her fault, and it was almost always she was the one that also solved the problem. So she just had that dynamic where she was full of energy and, and just had lots and lots of life inside of her. And um, she loved music, and she actually, as a little kid, was tone deaf. And we, we used to try and get her to go practice and sing in her room. But, you know, little by little, she actually got really good at singing. She, she was so good that she um, was able to create some music that was listened to after she passed away. She was listened to on the radio. It was just really beautiful, and I actually just found a book of her lyrics, which I was so excited to find. But what I was getting at is she had so much life in her, and I couldn't really understand her as a young person because it just didn't really make sense that she wanted to go all the time. She just wanted to do things and try things and have experience, and she also had – interesting emotional outbursts so sometimes she was really really happy and sometimes she was really sad and I mean even to the point of contemplating suicide when she was in her early teens so she just had a very very full life but she was so lovely and she really cared for the people that she loved and she had so many of these adorable kids that would come around and they would just confide in her and she was you know their caregiver and she was really greatly loved and she um when she passed away the whole entire town felt her death so she was driving home from her school in denver colorado it was at christmas time and she fell asleep at the road or at the wheel and just drove off of the cliff and she was in wolf creek pass and her car was launched and she died immediately. The coroner said it was blunt force trauma and there was no blood on the scene. So it was the impact that killed her and it was a quick, immediate death. That death and that, that tragic moment it reverberated through our entire town and I had no idea she had so many friends and so many people showed up for her. There were so many people reaching out and wanting to comfort us and just wanting to understand and, you know, somehow offer their condolences. And the town really, really came together in a very special way. It was just really amazing to see that she had so many people who cared for her. And so when we did open the house later, it was only a few days after she passed, we had a life celebration for her. We decided not to do a burial, but instead we did a cremation and we created this big party. And it turned out we had so many people in the house. It was just loaded back to back with people. People came in from all over and they wrote little love notes to her. And we had this big bonfire and everyone shared their stories. And we just, it was just this 
really heartfelt, amazing time of so much emotion and so much love. But the point of all of that is that when we talk about love, what I noticed is that is what's left. So all of the crazy stuff that she went through as a kid and, you know, the fighting or whatever, the emotions, the drama, all that stuff seemed to just evaporate. And all that was left was this love, this love for this person who had transitioned. And, I mean, I mean, there's way more to it, but I'm just trying to give you just a little bit of a glimpse into what happened here in this adorable little town and how so many people came out to support her in her passing. So um, getting back to it, with, um, with Juliana, there was something really bizarre about her and I, and I, I had this very special connection with her. I mean, she's connected to so many people. But I started to feel her presence. And she started giving me little indicators of looking in certain drawers or opening up a book at a certain time or um, my my radio started playing with me all the time. My music would change and it was just really bizarre. So I started paying attention and feeling like I could communicate with her. And that's where all of this came from because in the midst of all of this pain and the feeling of losing my daughter, there was this inkling of hope. There was something there. There was something I could attach to that just felt so comforting, and it was her communication. So going back to that, I mean, that was, you know, ultimately I think when we can learn that when our loved ones go, they don't actually leave. They just leave their bodies, but they're still here. Right. I yeah. I know when uh, when my mother passed away um it it had been a couple of weeks and um I don't know that I was getting through it so much I'd have a uh a friend from my high school days call up and I'd go right into sobbing so hard that I couldn't talk and I had a I had a dream and in the dream my mother was sitting in a in a chair and we were all gathered around her and my hand was on her leg and she picked up my hand and um she, she was quite elderly when she passed away and her skin had a very very distinct feel and I could feel it so vividly she picked up my hand and she squoosed my hand and then she put my hand on my leg to tell me oh. I, I'm okay, but you need yeah. to get you need to get back into it. You can't you can't let this devastate you. And uh, it there's something about the love. I, I I suggest it's a different kind of love that. Uh, people who have passed have for us because in the human vehicle, in the human dynamic, love is such a (laughs) squirrely little thing. And I think that um, their experience of love once they pass over is a completely uh, uh, 
um, unique flavor of love, if that makes sense. Yes, I think it is. Um, and I think what happens is that we're going back to who we actually are. So we're in these bodies for this experience of being human, and we're pretty limited because of our skin. But once you've shed the skin, you're back into your natural state, and that is love. And I think ultimately that's why our loved ones come through. They're helping to remind us who we really are. So they want us to continue living and to live glorious lives and to go boldly into the world and not to harbor such hurtful feelings. And they they want us to be able to get through it. So they will come and give us any kind of symbol or sign that they can to show us that they're here and they love us and we can continue. Just like your mom did with you in your hand, you can continue without her. And you're not really without her. It's just in a different form. But, yes, absolutely. I think that once we shed our bodies, then we get to go back to who we actually are, and that is pure love. Well, you've been um, so open. I mean, you're publicly writing books that are a journal of your experience of the loss of your daughter. How – if – if perhaps somebody's listening to this episode and maybe they've lost a very dear one in their life and and they don't they just can't see how to how life is going to go on how do you what would you say to them how do you how do you um move through the the pain of a lost one so the writing for me was actually I think what saved me because in the wake of my daughter passing away, I didn't want to be here. I didn't want to stay on the planet. I felt like there was no reason for me to continue living. However, I do have three other children that are alive and I love them dearly. And there's no way I could take my own life just because I was experiencing so much pain. So I needed to find a way to move through that pain. And when I started doing this, it didn't really make sense to me. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I had to get these emotions out of my body. And the only way I could do it was to write them down. So as I would write, it felt, I mean, it took, it took quite some time. Um, a lot of times, and in fact, if you were to look at my journals, there are pages of just me scribbling out what the fuck am I doing? You know, I would scream and just scribble. And I had to get this, these emotions out of my body. And that's the only thing that made sense. And then little by little, I was able to just record the moments because so many of these moments were so confusing. I mean, goodness, Les, I would sit there and stare at walls for hours. I couldn't do anything. I would just sit and stare at the walls and nothing like nothing felt right, obviously. I didn't feel good in my body. I didn't feel like I wanted to be here. I didn't feel like I could move on. It was just this really debilitating feeling of heavy, just a very heavy feeling. And the writing really helped. And when I wrote about those things and then I would have a 
I don't know, just a couple days later, I could I would reread these words, and then all of a sudden they kind of started to make sense to me. It's it's like they they created this path for me, and I could see, you know, a beginning, a middle, and an end. <laughs> it took some time, but it just started to make sense. It didn't make sense when it was in my mind, but it started to make sense on paper. And that's definitely a, a good way to go when when you're moving through such heavy loss and heavy grief or heavy feelings, actually. I mean, it can be in it from anything. In fact, you said something about um, people who don't allow themselves to feel and they immediately get busy and kind of shut it off and become numb. Right. And one of the things that I realized is that the only way to get through any of this is to feel it. So if you Beautiful. don't allow yourself to feel it, if you don't allow yourself to feel it, it's going to sit in your body until you're made to feel it. And sometimes it's a different way. Maybe it'll come out as, you know, some sort of illness or, but um, what I have noticed is a lot of times it comes out in a different style. Like if you lose a pet, then all of that other stuff comes back and you have to feel the loss of the pet and the loss of your loved one and you don't understand why everything is so big and so heavy and it's just your pet, you know. But we have to feel it and that's the whole point of being here in these bodies. Beautiful, very powerful words. Thank you for that. The the statement, it, it comes out as, it comes out as. I think sometimes the the pain of it um and and sometimes the emotions of the loss don't make rational sense. I mean the ego kind of sucks at being able to um truly understand the the full dynamic range of feelings cuz um I lost a very dear friend Elliot and I was so mad. I was so mad at him. I was really, I was really mad that my best friend checked out and left me alone. And I, I didn't, I, I was blindsided by it. And when I felt the anger, I, my rational mind seemed to disconnect. It's like, why are we feeling anger? It's like, well, I've, I've, I've lost a friend in this lifetime. I've lost a, a, you know, I don't know how to describe it, but he he got me like nobody else on the planet. And and the, the I was just surprised at how deep the anger was. And like you said, if you don't feel it, it's going to come out some other way. And how many times do we bump up against somebody that's got some really abrasive behavior and it's really not about anything going on in their life currently, but it's about pain or anguish or sorrow or grief that they've just pushed down in their psyche. How do you, how do you recognize feelings that don't make sense? How do you, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. 
because the the range of feelings you can have, especially over the course of a year, here comes their birthday, here comes Thanksgiving, here comes, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? And they're not there. It, it's not a, it's, uh, it, I think it takes some time to process it all. How, what would you say to that? Oh, it absolutely takes time. And, you know, I was actually really fortunate to um, to have make a connection with a woman who was a medium. And I had never spoken to a medium before, and, you know, I wasn't really sure if I even believed in their abilities, but a friend of mine suggested this woman, and I was able to speak to her. And it was really, um, it was really helpful because she said some things about the incident, she said some things about the accident. There was no way she could have ever known who I was, and it was a phone call, and she lived in a different state. And right. so um, when, she was, when she was telling me about these things and, and describing my daughter to me and saying, you know, what happened with the accident and that she fell asleep and that she just woke up into the light, and then she, she kind of just gave these other indicators. So it was really helpful for me to to start to open up to that communication and to start to get curious about it. And and actually I really wanted to learn how to develop it myself and that's where these writings came from and the these, you know, this um inquiry. Um I kind of lost the point though because you were saying something about bumping up against people who haven't what do we do with them well, when they haven't expressed their their emotion? Well, the the range of emotions that uh, that you can feel with the loss of a loved one and how they don't always make sense and and okay, th- does that make sense? So you're saying something about the timing, yes, and that it takes time to process. And that was actually one of the things that she had said to me was that this is going to take some time and for me to stop putting so much pressure on myself to make it all go away. It's not right. going to go away. And if, and in fact, nothing will ever be the same, but instead I will learn to live with it. And so I think ultimately when we can just keep that in the back of our mind that we can do this and we can live with it, then we start to get curious about how can we live with this and what can we do to honor the person who's passed rather than just pretend it never happened or ignore our feelings, find ways to honor them. You know, uh, we actually created a scholarship for Juliana. So in this town, so many people wanted to offer something. They wanted to help with something and, you know, a lot of people offered money. And so we just took all that money and put it into a scholarship for the young people in Pagosa Springs to learn um, music. She was so musically inclined. She loved music. So it was a really great way to continue and move these things forward in her name. And so each year, I don't remember how many our kids actually went through, but quite a few kids have gone through this program where they get to learn something that she loved and she's honored in that because her name is attached to it. So I think you have to just, you know, realize, first of all, it's going to take some time and 
when we have that pain, that the only way to get over it is to feel it. And that's a tricky one because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. But if you realize that it will end, it's not forever. It's only a temporary sensation that moves through your body, and it might take a couple days, it might take a couple years, but it's going to move through you if you're willing to feel it. And then the next part is to just honor our people, honor them, love them, create some kind of cool memorial around them, talk about them. And that's one of the cool things, too. When you actually talk about somebody who has passed, it brings them right into your present. So maybe you don't see them, but they're right there. It's like a little phone call. Like they're queued up. They can hear you talking about them, and they're around you all the time anyway. But when you bring up the memory or the voice or the name of somebody else that has passed, it's their cue to pop in and check up on you. Well, talking about that connection, that phone call, so to speak, metaphorically, what's your relationship with Juliana now? Is she involved in in your life? Honestly, this is really, really cool. So at the beginning, when she first passed, I needed all kinds of signs and symbols. And, and I got them. I mean, two days after she passed, she brought me diamonds. We had this, this agreement between us. And I'll just tell you this story really quickly. But um, one of my girlfriends, her connection to her, her grandma was dying. And she shared that story with me. And I thought that was really cute. And I shared that with my daughters when they were all alive. And I said, oh, dimes, that, that's such a cool thing. But I don't want dimes. I want diamonds. And so we all joked about that. And little did we know that one of us would be using that symbol anytime soon. So two days after she died, I found a box of diamonds. I was um, inspired to look in this specific drawer, and inside the drawer was this box of diamonds. And I just started laughing because I knew, I, I couldn't doubt it. I knew it was my daughter sending me a symbol. And then, little by little, I would get these other symbols. I'd get more diamonds, or somebody would show a picture, or music, too, was another one. But the whole point was that um, at the beginning, I needed, I needed her constant uh, attention. So I had to get lots of symbols. But then I started creating this, um, this way to communicate with her in writing, and the feeling just it felt like, I was complete. I felt like I feel good about our connection and that we're actually developing a relationship even though she doesn't have a body. And I can still access her anytime I need, anytime I want. I just invite Juliana to come be a part of my life or what we're doing or whatever, and I can feel that she's present. And it's just so wonderful. I mean, she can come with me more now than she ever could. She can travel with me and go paddleboarding with me. You know, if I just need somebody to talk to, she's right there. Anytime I'm driving, which I'm driving a lot, she's with me. So it changed from this needing to have her constantly show me things to a knowing that she's there. And so I'm not, I don't feel so needy anymore. I feel content. I know my daughter is with me anytime I need her, anytime I want her, all the time. So it, it shifted. 
Does that make any sense? It makes total sense. Well, um, to feel content, that that's quite a milestone. I mean, um, and and I really, I'm, I'm very much uh, impressed by how open you are with this. I mean, I, I know it's, uh, you've written books about it and you've been very open about it, but it, it's a tough thing to go through and then to turn around and, and talk so vividly and openly with it. I Again, I, I applaud you and I'm delighted to have this episode because I, I this is the kind of thing that, that touches pretty much everybody at some point in their life. And yet um, there's a lot of times people are caught so off guard, so um, ill-equipped, so to speak, as to how to process and work through it. So again, I want to applaud you for for sharing your your message with us tonight. Her her ears are probably ringing off the hook as we talk so much about her. <laughs> well, she was with me earlier, and I'll tell you, um, before I got on with you, I was feeling a little bit, um, I would say maybe a little insecure, not maybe that that's not even the right word, maybe just a little anxious because I haven't really done this before. Um, so I wanted to give myself some time to clear my mind and to meditate and to connect with her. So I drove up to the top of the property and I was just looking for a spot and I'm actually talking to you in my car because where my RV is parked is kind of loud. So I pull up to this property and it's overlooking this beautiful mountainous, expanse and there's a rainbow right in front of me so it's just this really awesome moment of okay this is exactly where i'm gonna sit there's a rainbow right in front of me this is where we're gonna talk this is perfect but that those are the kind of moments that for me feel connecting i feel like she's with me and i don't even have to ask her i she knows she's invited i say her name and here she is yeah um well but going back to what you're saying with other people having their difficulties in losing someone, it is absolutely normal and natural to feel completely heartbroken and sad and unable to continue. I mean, there's there's so many people I know that just, and I mean, God, I understand those feelings. I went through them too. But I think that ultimately if we can just, let ourselves feel it. Feel it. Give yourself permission to be sad, to sit on the couch and stare at the walls. Give yourself permission to bawl your eyes out in the shower. And it's okay. It's part of being human and being in a body. And it's part of loving. You wouldn't, I mean, I would question if you didn't have those emotions. It would question the love for the person that you lost. So it's absolutely okay. But I think to not put so much pressure on yourself to just hurry and get over it. Right. Just honor your person, feel your emotions, and know it does end. There is an end to it. But you have to feel it. Yeah. Well, boy, I like that. Well, the uh, um, to, 
You've done a couple of things to honor Juliana with the uh, uh, music program in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, and um, writing these books. How um, how has your life changed? I mean, in in hindsight, this is a fun one. In hindsight, you uh, you have these such these fond memories, and then. And then it it really sounds like you've done a lot of processing. How are you different from this experience? Well, um, let me start with this. So um, a few days after she had passed, we went to her car to collect some of her belongings. And, you know, clearly a lot of her belongings were all over the place and broken because the car had rolled several times. I found a purse that was tucked under the passenger seat in the back. And in the purse, she had written a bucket list. She created this extensive list of all these things she wanted to do. So immediately I look at this and I feel like that is an absolute gift. She just gave me this tremendous gift with all these items that are like crazy and bizarre and things I would have never thought of. And (laughs) That was in her wake. She gives me these items of things she wanted to do. So I have been doing my best to move through this bucket list little by little. And the family, you know, some of them will share because there are some that I'm not going to be able to do. One of them was get arrested. I'm like, oh, please, I do not want to get arrested. But it's just really fun because now, I mean, and since that time, this is it's been almost five years now, we've been able to complete, let's see, I think I've done 11. Um, my son has done three. My daughter, Kira, has done two. And my other daughter, Malaya, has done two. And there are 94 items on this bucket list. So it's been it's been pretty cool, and I did just complete um, one of them. It was number eighty nine, which was to go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And one of my girlfriends, when she read that, she said to me, "Oh, I'm taking you to see the Chili Peppers." <laughs> but you know, we went through COVID, and we had all this time where there weren't any concerts, so they weren't even out. And and she kept saying, "Oh, I, I hope they they decide to." you know, to start singing again. And so we just got back from that. That was last weekend. But it's been really fun to have uh, this gift from her and to be able to work through these bizarre <laughs> ideas. I mean, she has she has uh, some really cool vacations planned, like visit Fiji and Jamaica and Carnival in Rio. You know, she's got some good ones in here. Well, very nice. Um, yeah. I like that. So how has my life changed? I think that what's what's happening is I've had this, I mean, obviously I went through quite a time of not really being able to even function to right. now being super excited to honor my daughter and to move through these bucket list items and to live boldly and to realize that, This life is so temporary, and we don't know how long we have. And the only thing I can really do is just show up, do my best, and just be in the moment and live. And so with her, especially with her bucket list, it's it's been a lot of fun to try and find ways to accomplish these items. 
to to live boldly. Now that's a bold statement right there. Do you do you feel like your relationship with your own life has changed? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. In fact, um, you know, um, the year that she passed was also the same year that my husband of twenty three years and I had decided to divorce, and so that happened before she died and then i just kind of went into this spiral of not really knowing who i was or where i was going because now i have all of this emotion to deal with with my daughter being gone and now i'm no longer married and all my children are grown and i was just kind of in a really weird limbo place of not knowing what to do with myself and you know, I, I tried a few things, <laughs> and as the years passed, I finally decided to buy an RV and travel around the country so I can find where I belong, and I think I found it. I think I found it. It's um, in Oregon. But that to be said, um, none of those things would have happened if it wasn't for her passing. The other gift she gave me with all of that is a connection with my living children. And we have this very beautiful, special bond that I don't think would have been possible if we hadn't shared this death together. Wow. Well, how it it strengthened the bond with the, your children. And that's as a parent that's a that's a beautiful thing it, especially when the when the child shows up in a in a new and different way cuz your love for your children is is just so i don't know paramount or whatever but you don't always uh um a lot of times they act like the kids that they are but to have <laughs> the to have them show up with an, uh, I guess, an appreciation or a, a, a new perspective in their relationship with you, what a gift that would be. Oh, it is an absolute gift. I mean, I think that ultimately that's what she gave me. She gave me this amazing connection with my living children. And, I mean, that's <laughs> that's all we want as parents, right? We really just yeah. want to be connected to our kids. Yeah, it's been really special. Well, very nice. So right now you have um, three books out. Do you want to talk about your books? Yes, yes, sure. So the first book I wrote is Sun, and it is um, it's the first year, and it really is just my journal entries. And truthfully, in the first year, I think I completed eight journals. So the book itself is, you know, less than, what's well, 100 pages? That's uh, 100 and I'm looking at it right now. It's a little over 100 pages. So I picked out bits and pieces of my journals and my blog entries and put it in here. And then um, I, I got such a good response and so many people had been reading um, Sun and said that it was helping them understand their emotion, understand somebody who had just um, lost someone. It was just giving them, I guess, some context that could just start to, to figure out how to navigate through this thing called death. 
And so I continued with my journals anyway, and I decided to go ahead and put those journal entries into the second book, which is called Year Two. And Year Two is, you know, so it's just more of the same. And then my my third book is 7217. And what I did with that book is I I talk about the things that I used during my process to help me find a fulfilling life and to find ways to change my mind. Because we get so caught up in, you know, the crazy stuff around us. And, I mean, that was the during – 2020, so it was during COVID, and I just, so I, I used the 7,217 because that was the number of days that she had lived on the planet, and so that is my inspiration to live a joyful life, and so the title of that book is 7217, and it's called Inspired Joy, and so it does go through some little tricks that I use, you know, how to change your mind, how to focus, how to pay attention, you know, notice what you notice, learning about, you know, the duality of this world and, and also just how to be connected. And then I also um, I give some meditations in that book as well. And I am working on a fourth book. Um, it is quite a process. This, this fourth one's been a challenge for me but I do um, intend on having that one done before the end of this year. Wow. Nice way to, way to reflect and to, to bring, I mean, you could have stopped at your first book and it, the, <laughs> the content of those other books are, are very relevant, relevant to uh, um, going through this process. So the value of life, and, you know, we, we started talking about love on this uh, at the beginning of this episode. How has your relationship yes. with love changed? So I feel like I finally have allowed myself to love. And, you know, before... I didn't really understand what it was. And I also feel like I was probably very guarded, especially as a young woman and a young mother. But it's almost like at this point, after losing everything, there's nothing to be afraid of. And so it's almost like I can't actually get hurt anymore. I have been hurt the most that I could possibly be hurt. And I'm still alive. I'm still walking on the planet. I still have a heart that beats, and I still have the desire to be fulfilled and to share, and I think that that's what love is. So even though the, the worst has happened, there, I'm still here. So, so it's not that bad. And I think that the best thing to do with that is just to stay open. And so many of us just want to close down and don't want to feel because it hurts too much. Well, that pain is nature's tenderizer. When you experience that pain it, and you allow it, it will soften you and it will open you up so that you can love tremendously. And there are no limits when you can love that way. There's no way to be hurt 
you can always find more love. So to your relationship, I mean, we're talking about an immense amount of pain that was related to the love that you had for someone. And now you're telling us that um, you've, you've come to a point where the pain is, is not even a concern when it comes to you loving. Yeah. Uh, I want to contextualize that and, and make it vivid. You've come to the point that I don't, uh, I mean, how would you say it? I mean, it's, it's like you're able to love now without a fear of pain, even though you've had an immense amount of pain. Well, if you think of what pain is and what fear are, the two kind of go together. So I think most people are in fear of pain. But if you actually feel pain, you'll realize there's nothing to be afraid of. It's just pain. It's just a sensation. It moves through your body. If you let it move through your body without resistance, it will move through your body. If you resist it and you fear it, it will never move through your body and you're always going to be afraid of it and you'll never actually be open to feeling true, complete love because the fear of the pain is blocking you. So it kind of, they all go together. You have to actually get to the point where you just look at pain and say, okay, I'm going to feel pain, and then you let it move through you, and you just can't be afraid of it. It's just pain. It's just sensation. It's not going to kill you, I promise. I mean, if it does, that's fine too, but <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen anyway, right? We're all going to right. die. So. <laughs> I think just coming to terms with that and realizing that this life is a gift and it is so temporary. And this is all we have. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. We're not. We don't know. You don't know if you're going to wake up tomorrow on this planet. So wow. Why not just go through it? Why not just feel it? Be bold. Just feel the pain and let it move through your body and then let your heart open up and the experience of being able to love without fear is just tremendous. I mean, I think that's why we're here. This is powerful stuff. So you're saying how you ex- how you experience pain has evolved. So so when you come up to a uh, when pain rises up in your consciousness, so to speak, it sounds like you're your relationship or your strategy or whatever with pain is considerably different than it was in your past. So you're, you're telling us um, more or less that how you experience pain has a choice to it. I think it does. I think it does. And also, you know, we are all very different, and so I don't want to minimize anyone else's experience of it. But right. just from what I have gone through personally, I think that being afraid of pain is greater than the pain itself. So if you can just recognize that there is fear around it, fear around being hurt, fear around feeling. And what, what is the ultimate fear is the fear of dying well, you're going to die anyway. So if we can start to get rid of the fear around the pain and maybe dive into a little bit 
and just see what is there, what it has to offer us. That's when we can really open up. And that's when we're available and open for what love is. I just think that that's, that's ultimately, those are the, the steps that will get us to that place where you can just love unconditionally and you realize that you can't actually get hurt. If somebody can break your heart, yeah, but you're, it's not going to kill you. Very nice. Very nice. Wonderful words. Wonderful words. <laughs> well, thanks, Wes. <laughs> no. Well, I, thank I, you. I, I knew this would be a delightful episode, and it certainly has been. Um, well, let's let's put the the attention on you. Now you've written these books, and I I tell you, you are one busy individual. You're, and, and is that really? I don't think busy is the word. Active is more more appropriate. So you've got your books and. Is there anything else about your platform, your modality, so to speak, that you'd like to share with the audience? So tell us how to get your books and share with us anything else about you that you would want to share with our audience. Well, thank you. Uh, Truthfully, I have done zero advertising for my books. I have just um, self-published and I use Amazon. And Amazon is amazing because they have a print-on-demand. So they will print out the books if you want the books. (laughs) To find me on Amazon, it's just my name, so Soraya Ellsmore. And you can do either the name of the book, which is Sun, or Year 2, or 7217. Or you can just put in my name. Um, As far as communication, I am open to communicating. I use social media. So... Facebook is a good way, Messenger, Facebook, or Instagram. Those are always good ways to get a hold of me. Um, please do not email me because I don't check email. <laughs> I have thousands and thousands of emails that I've not looked at. Uh, so that's pretty much it. Um, as far as you know, working future projects, I am working on another book, and I kind of feel like this next book will be one that I do, I do want to promote. Um, we'll just see when, when, when I finish it. And other than that, you know, life just keeps going. <laughs> it's exciting. We'll see what happens. Well, very nice. Uh, an hour can go by pretty fast when you're having fun. Do you have any closing thoughts you want to share with their audience? Well, you know, I am, I am just grateful that you invited me to – to speak about my daughter. I really do love speaking about her. And I think that ultimately when we lose our people, our loved ones, that it is okay to speak about them. And it's really great and it's very healing. So if if there's a a question out there or a problem where you're feeling like lost or constricted, just say their name out loud and it will bring emotion and it will help you to get rid of all of that stuff that's pent up inside that's keeping you blocked. And I think truly when we open up and we allow for our loved ones to show us that they love us, we will get signs and symbols all the time. You just have to be open to it and, you know, start looking for them. So, and with all of that, you know, this life is just pretty miraculous and that we never really do lose our people. They're always with us. And I think that's really special to remember. 
And that's it. <laughs> that's well, it for beautiful. me, Les. <laughs> beautiful. Well, Soraya, I want to thank you for being our guest tonight. I very much have enjoyed this episode. Well, thank you, Les. I've enjoyed it, too. We've been talking with Soraya Ellsmore, and the topic tonight has been a mother's journey through the death of her daughter. And um, when she talks about the book called Son, it is S-U-N-N. That might help you find it when you search for it online. Wow, what a what a powerful conversation. Um, what really struck me about Soraya is um, how uh, how she's gone. Perhaps uh, I don't know if there's ever an end to it, but so completely through the grieving process, and and yet still have a spring in her step and a smile on her face and a a passion for life. And um, I just really wanted to share that with uh, you, the audience, because like like she said, <laughs> life's a wonderful thing. And, and uh, to, to be able to work through the tough stuff, um, there's a point where it's not so tough. There's a point where it's not so challenging and and i and it to find your stride and and uh quicken your cadence and um enjoy your sense of joy so to speak that, that's a powerful thing to do especially on this planet so you know i want to thank you the listener for showing up for yourself here you are at the end of this episode and and you showed up for yourself I want to honor you. What a what a powerful thing it is for you to search out opportunities like this for you to grow yourself, to deepen your understanding with yourself, to hone your relationship with life and your relationship with love. Um, we started talking out starting the episode talking about love, 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 love. Damn, love will kick your ass. <laughs> love will kick your ass in such a delightful, wonderful way over and over and over again. I, The more I serenade love, the, the more it expands in my heart. Love is, love is the most curious thing. It's, it's such a, uh, a wonderful part of life to explore and express um so i want to thank you the listener and uh that's it we're out of time i'm your host les jensen always a pleasure until next time thanks for listening this has been a new human living radio broadcast to bring your soul's inspiration into effect and live your life wide open check out our host les jensen's book Citizen King, The New Age of Power, at newhumanliving.com. Thanks for listening.